Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. Aren't you glad to be a part of a glorious church? Not having a spot or a wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. There's a saying, the saying is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Jesus sees his church as beautiful, beautiful. And today, I want to preach to you for a few minutes on let's wake up sleeping beauty. Let's wake up sleeping beauty. God bless you. You may be seated. This beautiful church is engaged to be married to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you a few descriptive terms about this beautiful bride of Christ. Her words are kind. They are not vulgar. She's not a smoker. She doesn't get drunk. And she's not on drugs. She keeps herself pure for the one that she loves. Her appearance is both modest and pleasing to God. She is faithful, she is generous, and she is a very caring person. She goes beyond herself and cares and ministers to others. But this bride has a problem. She sleeps a lot. And while she's sleeping, terrible things can happen to her. Jesus told a story about a man and he said, if the good man knew the night that the enemy would come and break into the house, he would not have slept when he knew that trouble was on the horizon. The church has to be extremely careful because if you've been listening over the last several weeks, you've heard messages like this. You've heard about the distractions that the enemy would like to bring against us, the challenges that come to our commitment, the alluring and the consuming time that the world wants to steal from you, and how we can become wealthy and be in a rockabye baby situation. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. Who that would be a bride would want to be an unfruitful bride? But all the while, the world and the enemy are trying to make the church a sleeping beauty. I'm sure many of you have heard a fable called Sleeping Beauty. 
And in this fable, this fictitious story, there's a beautiful woman that has a curse put on her by evil. And she sleeps and she is dormant. And the only way that she can be awakened out of her sleep is if her prince comes to her and kisses her. And the attempts of many other people all fail while she is in this sleeping stupor. Now the difference between a fable and a parable is great. Parables take things that literally are true and they explain them so that there can be a spiritual application. And today what I wanna do is I wanna take a fable and show you that it can be a parable of sleeping beauty. The enemy seeks to put us to sleep. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 24. Another parable he put forth unto them saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But notice right here, here's the problem. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and then left. And when the blade was strung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared also the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and they said, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in the field? From whence does it have these tares? And he said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let them both grow together unto the harvest, and in the time of the harvest I will say to the reapers, go and gather the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. The enemy is constantly tearing. He's trying to tear your life up. He's trying to tear you down. He's trying to tear down your marriage, trying to tear down your family. He's constantly sowing tares in your field. And if you're not alert, if you're not awake, if you don't have a hedge like we talked about last week, a hedge of protection around your family, you'll find the weeds sometimes can grow faster than the wheat. And you say, this is not pleasant to see this big old thistle right in the middle of my wheat field. I need to go out there and tear that up. But you were warned by God. First of all, stay in your own field. Don't go in somebody else's field and start tearing things up in their field. You stay in your own field. You promote the growth of wheat. And you let God figure out how to take care of the tares. And he will. You just keep growing wheat. Somebody said amen. Amen. But it happened because she was sleeping. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. Then shall the kingdom be like unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and they took no oil with them. But the wise, they took oil in their vessels with their 
lambs. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all, all ten, every one of them, slumbered and slept. Here she is again, a sleeping church, sleeping beauty. But at midnight there was a cry made, and behold, the bridegroom cometh, go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose, and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us of your oil, our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, not so, lest there be not enough for us and for you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. The same statement that was offered concerning Noah once everyone was inside. And God shut the door. I'm glad for an open door today. But there will be a day when the door will be shut and for you to hear the cry of the rapture and think that you have time to go and make things right or to find more oil would be a grave mistake. We need to wake up, sleeping beauty. The church needs to rise up, not lay down, not blend in, not just be a part of, but we need to wake up, stand up, and declare the word of the Lord. Praise God. It's easy to fall asleep. So today, my sole purpose is to wake up the church. And I know that this is probably something that uh, you might not think is very orthodox, but I remember one time seeing an aftershave commercial. And in this aftershave commercial, this guy's hair's all messed up and he's all dreary looking and he's walking into the mirror and somebody comes up alongside of him and slaps him a good one right in the face. And he says, thanks, I needed that. Today, I'm here to give you a good slap. I'm trying to wake the church up. I'm trying to wake the church up. Why are we here? What is our purpose? Who do we think we are? And I'm so, I'm so urgent about this message that this is where I stopped what I originally had and put in your bulletin, the bulletin you received when you walked through the door, the second half of this message. The second half of this message. I want to talk about the true Christian church from only, only a biblical perspective. Not a traditional, not a philosophical, not the rudiments of this world, only after Christ. The true Christian church, and you can follow me on your sheet for a while, Acts chapter two. The true Christian church is Pentecostal in its experience. How is it that 11 disciples run away and the other one betrays Jesus and later on they turn the world upside down? What is the only conclusion that you can come to? 
Well, Acts chapter two, Jesus said you need to tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. In Acts chapter two and verse one, it says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that's where we get the term Pentecostal, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. They did not leave for seven days. It was a long church service. But they weren't leaving until they received the Holy Ghost. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It sat upon each of them and they were all Filled, that word filled means full. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. This became the source of their strength, their power. This was their transformation from being ordinary men to being super apostles. It was not their power. It was not even their commitment. It was their experience of having God now live inside of them. That's what transformed their lives. They didn't get their act together. The light didn't go on. They were just endued with power from on high and within. My pastor used to say, you don't get good to get God. You just get God. He'll make you good. That's the way it works, folks. So we are a Pentecostal church. We have this experience. That's what transforms our lives. Can I get an amen? amen. But we are more than Pentecostals. We are apostolics. Let me share with you the apostolic doctrine or also the apostolic teaching. When Peter tried to explain all of this to the thousands that were at Jerusalem, in their confusion, they received explanation and asked a question. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter, and, not just Peter, the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now comes the apostolic doctrine of salvation. What they have learned for three and a half years and what they have experienced moments earlier all comes together in this salvation message. And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Embrace the doctrine, receive the experience. Embrace, I'm gonna say it again, embrace the doctrine of repentance. Embrace the doctrine of being baptized in Jesus' name so that your sins could be remitted and receive the experience, the power that you lack. This was their salvation message. This was not the conclusion of their doctrine. This was just the salvation part. The source, let me talk to you about the source and components of apostolic doctrine. 
Acts 2 and 42 reads this way. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Watch four things here. Doctrine, then it says fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayer. Prayers, four things. Doctrine was first. Fellowshipping, eating, and praying. Eating is not fellowshipping. Eating is eating. Fellowship is sharing. Fellowship is talking about the things that matter. It's trusting one another. It's bearing one another's burdens. It's talking about the things of God. And because they were involved in these four things, it says in 43, that fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And 44 goes on and says, and all that believed were together. When we separate ourselves, when we say we don't need Sleeping Beauty, we, we don't need the church, we are not together. Not only are we not in one place, we're not in one accord. Well, my spirit is with you. No, it's not. If you're not here, you're not here. All right. They were together. Watch this. They had all things common. They sold their possessions and their goods and they parted them to all men as every man had need. Sold their possessions. What is that? You're gonna read about it in a few minutes anyway. They sold land. They sold houses. They sold possessions. And the profit that they got from it, they came and laid it at the apostles' feet and said, okay, you guys know what to do with this for the kingdom of God and for the people of God. And we trust you to make the right decisions. You want to kill a man of God? Here's how you do it. Sell your house Bring the money to the church, put it on the floor and say, give it to the kingdom of God. Then you can go visit him at Aurora Hospital after he has a heart attack. But this was apostolic. The change in values was eminent. All of a sudden, the only thing that mattered was the kingdom of God and the people of God. This is apostolic. They took care of the widows. They took care of the orphans. They took care of one another. Somebody had a need? Well, that's okay. I'll sell this. I'll... Listen, whatever you want God to bless, give it away. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, I beg to differ. I'll bless them that bless you. And I'll curse them that curse you. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in trouble with my wife today, but that's okay. You want a better car? Let somebody else use your car. Or a truck. That's the fastest way to get an improved driving situation. 
We used to have this little piece of junk Maverick. Some of you don't even know what a Maverick is. It's just a little tiny car. And it was lime green. It was ugly looking. We had that car and, and the kids, when we went to the Christian school, said, can we use your car? My dad take us out driving and can we use it for our driver's test? Because it's a little car and it's easier to parallel park. And they'd use that car, they'd use the Cavalier. Right, Cheryl? Good to have Cheryl back with us. Welcome home. But they'd take our car. Pretty soon, our car situation improved. Now we got really nice cars, both my wife and I. We've opened up our, I'm not saying this to be boastful, I'm saying this for your benefit today. I want you to be a Pentecostal and an apostolic and be blessed and be able to bless others. God doesn't want to give you more so that you have more. God wants to give you more so that you can give more. Didn't get too many amens there. But are we really brothers and sisters in Christ or is that just smoke? I'll tell you this, I'm gonna take care of my brother, my sister, my family. Is it that way in the kingdom of God? Does the Bible say that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God? Does that mean that if my brother or sister is struggling, that I'm supposed to say, well, you got yourself into that fix, you figure it out. Is that apostolic? Is that the fulfillment of Matthew chapter 25 when Jesus said, I was hungry? And you, you directed me to the food pantry or you brought me over for dinner or you picked up some groceries for me? Is that apostolic? Come on now. Is that apostolic or not? I believe it is apostolic. I believe it's what God wants us to do. I believe that it is required of us. If a man knocks on your door and says, hey, I don't have any bread. He warned him, he said, don't tell the man to come back tomorrow. If you've got it in your house, give it to him. Open up your house. People need a shelter for a season. Give it to them. You'll end up with a better house. Somebody said amen. I got a great house. I thank the Lord for it. But everything you've got should be shared. Oh, God, help me. Acts 2 and 46. This is the result. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Apostolic. They had unity. They had daily gatherings. They had doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers, unity. It was all there. Not just on a Sunday morning. It says daily. And look at the results of being both Pentecostal and apostolic. They were, 47 says, they were praising God and having favor with 
not just the church family, but they learn to get along with all people to the best of their ability. And look what the Lord did after they did their part. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Wow. You know what? I don't add to the church. He adds to the church. I don't save anyone. He saves. I don't heal anyone. He heals. I don't deliver anyone. He do- Can you hear what I'm saying? We do our part and God does the heavy lifting. He does the big stuff. The big stuff. The Lord added to the church. But here's another mistake that we can make as apostolics. We can think that this one time that we're filled with the Holy Ghost is enough. It is not enough. It is not enough. And for the sake of time, and because I've given you a handout today, I want you to examine, I'll examine one more with you. Acts chapter four, verse 29. This is where the church was being persecuted. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Grant unto your servants with all boldness that they may speak thy word by stretching forth your hand to heal with signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled and they were all filled. I thought they received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. They needed to be filled again. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word with boldness and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul and neither of them said that any of the things which he possessed was his own but had all things common and with a great power. This is the result. Great power, the the apostle witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all and neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, they brought the prices of the things were sold, laid them down at the apostles' feet. Distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. You can read about it in Acts chapter five. You can read about it in Acts chapter six. You can read about it in Acts chapter 13. It's the same pattern over and over again. Trials and tribulations come, but they pray and they're all refilled. I like refills. I don't like restaurants that cheat me. Give me a glass of ice and sprinkle something over it and then charge me again? I like free refills. God believes in free refills. Virtue is meant to go out of your life. We're supposed to be givers. Somebody said amen. amen. We're supposed to give everything that we have in us for the cause. Let me tell you something. I'm going out to lunch today, and I can tell you what's going to happen when I get the bill. My wife is going to turn to me and say, what's the tip? What are you giving for a tip? She thinks I'm cheap. She wants me to give 20%. I can remember when it was 10. I won't mention anyone else, but other people gave less than 10. 
And then they went to 15. Do you know that some checks, if you have large groups, they require 20% as a tip. I believe in tithing, but I believe in going beyond tithing. I said, I believe in going beyond tithing. I believe in doing whatever God asks me to do from whatever source he tells me to take it. I remember one time, and you know me, those of you that have been around me long enough, you know I'm very concerned about the finances of the church. I want to make sure everything's paid. I remember one time, I was very concerned about a mortgage payment, and the Lord specifically told me what to do. He said, go to your retirement fund and take this amount out. I went to my wife because it's not just my money. Somebody said amen. I hope none of you have money that belongs to only one of you if you're married. We might have a problem there. I didn't get too many amens to that. His and her money. That might be all right for towels, but it's not good for a marriage when it comes to money. So I went to my wife and I said, honey, I believe that the Lord wants us to do this. She said, well, then we better do it. And we did it. Do you know what happened? A business in this church, within that same one year, gave seven times what we gave. Seven times what we gave. Boy, if that wasn't an eye-opener for me, you cannot outgive God. And I don't believe that you, and I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about your life. God didn't give you 10% of his life, he gave you 100% of his life. He gave his life 100%. And we are meant to be living sacrifices. God, you're the boss. Whatever you say. Just tell me what you want me to do. I'm not afraid. Everything I've got, I got because you gave it to me. You will supply all my needs. Somebody say amen. I'm, I'm going farther here today. God wants you to be filled and refilled. Over and over and over again. And when you're crabby and you're ugly and you're mean-spirited, you need to be refilled. You need to repent. You need to cry out to God for mercy, to forgive your sins, and you need to be refilled. There it is. And maybe your wife will do what my wife did. She'll send you to your room till you get it. Let me give you a little bit of history now that we're thinking about the 40th anniversary. Let me give you a little history lesson. When we were over on 354 Oakwood, a man bought that church building because he wanted to turn it into apartments. But the city said, you're not turning that into apartments. It's zoned to be a church. So he couldn't get rid of it. Nobody wanted it. And we didn't have any money. But he found us. And he said, hey, I want you to have this church building. I said, we'll take it. He said, no, I want to sell you the church building. I said, we don't have any money. He said, I'll tell you what. I want $60,000 for this building. I will give you $24,000 so that you can go to the bank and get the other 36. Then, at the end of each year for four years, 
you will give me a balloon payment, which is $6,000 at the end of every calendar year for four years, and then you'll own the building. Our payments, get this, were $450 a month. And that was a lot of money. Where are we going to get the other $500 a month? We're going to make lolly bears. You know what a lolly bear is? It's a sucker on a stick in the form of a bear. And Jerry Wickman got a bunch of plywood and he cut out these bears, shape of a bear. He painted it real pretty, put a bow on the bear's neck, drilled holes in it so you could stick the suckers in there, put it on a stand, and we put them all over town. Selling suckers. And you know what? Every year, for four years, we made our balloon payment. And when we eventually sold that building before we moved on to this property, we took $120,000 from the sale of that building and used it as part of our down payment on this land. Now here's the point though. The point was we didn't have any money, but we were willing to give our time. And we would get together a couple nights a week and make these suckers. And we tried to get everybody to be a part of it. The kids came and they played and the adults talked and they fellowshiped and we had pizza and soda and we made it fun. We were glad to do it. And we were tight. We were tight. Because we didn't have any money. Now you know what we got? You know what Sleeping Beauty has? She's got plenty of money. She just doesn't have any time. Here's my last thought for today. Where is the Pentecostal apostolic church right now? How often, I want you to look only at yourself and I'm only gonna look at myself. How often do I get together with brothers and sisters in Christ for fellowship? We talk about the things of God. We, we might have a meal together. We pray about situations in each other's lives or, or people that we're witnessing to and trying to get a home Bible study with. We share this with a, with a small group of people. How often do we do that? Oh, we're solid in the doctrine. But how often do we do those things? It's really important. I know a group of people, I won't mention any names, I know a group of people that get together consistently on a Friday night, they have dinner together, they have Bible study, they worship together, they bear one another's burdens, they pray for people. We need more of that at Abundant Life. More of that. And here's what I'm, I'm asking for today. I'm, I'm revisiting our vision for 2018. I'm asking you, please, please, look at some people that you know that are apostolic and get together with them on a regular basis. Hey, can we form a, a group? Can we get together once a month? Couple times a month? 
and fellowship? And, and can we bring our friends into this, whatever you want to call it, this fellowship, this cell group, whatever, uh, terms don't really matter. It's what's happening with the group that matters. Can we get together on a regular basis? Can we pray for my friend that I want to get into a home Bible study? Will you join me? We're, will two or more gather together and, and agree on any something and be apostolic about it? See, we need to work from the far end to the front end. Remember? It was doctrine, it was fellowship, it was eating, it was praying. Let's start on this end. Let's start by saying, let's get together and have a prayer meeting. Let's have a bite to eat. Let's fellowship so that we can introduce doctrine which will lead them into relationship then they're apostolics. Now they're Pentecostals. Let's wake up sleeping beauty. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.